You're listening to the Deanspiration Podcast. You're on the go source of spiritual pick-me-ups, inspirational reminders and more. Featuring special guests from around the world. Don't forget to visit deanspiration.com where you'll find lots of high value, easy to implement tips, tricks and tools for your Dean. With free downloads, video content, blogs and more. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Welcome everyone to episode 17 of the Deanspiration podcast show. As always, my name is Usman, your host, and alhamdulillah, I'm so happy that you're here today to listen to such an important subject, which is mental health. But in particular, on what is the Islamic perspective on mental health. As Muslims, how do we approach this somewhat taboo subject within our community? And joining me today again, inshallah, for the third time is going to be Sheikh Abdul Hamid, who, mashallah, has been giving mental health workshops and seminars around the UK, so he knows a thing or two about today's topic. So, some topics that are going to be covered today include what does mental health actually mean? What is considered to be mental health or a mental health problem and what does Islam say about mental health? Does it mean that if you have a problem that you have low iman and believe it or not some people within the community will tell you that you know you have Allah, you have the Quran, you have dua, how can you be sad or depressed? It's not possible for a Muslim to feel like this. So what does the Quran and the Sunnah have to say about this? Is it even allowed to go and seek medical help and what is the correct way to do so, right? Sheikh will then go into the various types of mental health issues and how somebody might identify the signs that they might have an issue and how to then go ahead and seek professional help and start a journey of healing. Sheikh will also speak about something called the biopsychosocial model, it's a mouthful, and how that relates to mental health issues as well, and then some practical ways to overcome common problems related to this. Now also guys today, some of you did send in your questions for Sheikh to answer regarding mental health some personal and um, Sheikh will also be answering them on the show today so do definitely stay tuned for those and at the end today I'm also going to be reading out some kind words and advice from a listener who sent them in before the show and also a story from Facebook. But as always we are going to kick off the show with two important things and of course that is firstly to give a shout out to today's sponsor and then we're going to get straight into the ayah of the day. Alright so let's get straight into it inshallah. Today's show is sponsored by a charity called Inspirited Minds who are a grassroots charity which aims to reduce stigma, raise awareness and provide advice, support and encouragement to those affected by mental health problems, in particular Muslims, from a faith and culturally sensitive perspective. Their vision is to build a society where people experiencing mental health challenges can receive understanding, recognition and are empowered to live a fulfilling life. Now guys, this is super important and I'm so proud of what these guys are doing because, like I said, especially in the Muslim community, there perhaps is a lack of support in some countries or cities at least um, for those suffering with mental health problems and need some help. So guys, 
go ahead and visit inspiritedminds.org.uk and for all the links that I mention in today's show notes, if you can't remember, they will be at deinspiration.com forward slash episode 17. Cool, so now it's time to get into today's ayah of the day. Bismillah. وَلَنَبْلُوَنَّكُمْ بِشَيْءٍ مِّنَ الْخَوْفِ وَالْجُوعِ وَنَقْصٍ مِّنَ الْأَمْوَالِ وَالْأَنفُسِ وَالثَّمَرَاتِ وَبَشِّرِ الصَّابِرِينَ Alright, that was today's ayah of the day, which is from Surah Al-Baqarah, chapter 2 in the Qur'an, verse 155, which translates to say, and surely we will try you with something of fear and hunger and loss of wealth and lives and fruits and give glad tidings to the patient. Guys, let's get Sheikh on the show. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah, Sheikh. Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullah. Sheikh, welcome back for a third time on the Deinspiration podcast show. As always, it's an honor, man. Exactly for, for having me. This is a third time. And I'm absolutely enjoying it. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, the last two shows that have been coming out are just hot topics. And I think, again, we've we've smashed it with this one. Uh, the questions were coming in for today's show. People are thankful for uh, this topic being brought up. So, you know, may Allah bless you for um, talking about it on the show today. It's something that, as you know, and as I just mentioned, it's a very serious issue. Um, not a lot of people know how to approach it don't want to approach it and if they do might not know exactly how to go about doing that or seeking help so let's just kick things off straight away so let's actually define what mental health actually is not when somebody says to you in the playground oh you're mental you've got mental issues as an insult but what really is mental health so the definition of mental health uh, so the world health organization have a definition and then the nhs have kind of used very similar termings so mental health is defined as a state of well-being in which uh, individuals realize their own potential uh, and they can cope with the normal stresses of life. Now, when I say normal stresses, it's really subjective, right? Some people can have a really strenuous day and, they, and that's normal for them. And some people have a very kind of simple day and, and that's normal for them. So when I say normal stresses of life, this is just totally subjective. Whatever is the norm for you, you can usually deal with. Uh, and you can work productively and fruitfully uh, and you can make a contribution to your, to, to the people who are around you. So that's your, what we call as a normal functioning. Anything outside that or something that disrupts your pattern and you feel different for whatever reason can result in somebody suffering from any form of mental health. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, I mentioned before that as Muslims, a lot of us you know, are in kind of denial that, all right, the Quran has the answers I'm supposed to be close to Allah, yet I I still feel something. So somebody might actually see this as having very low iman or their teacher or parents might just say, you know, just make dua, it's fine. So let's go into what Islam actually says about mental health from, you know, the Quran and the Hadith, etc. So from those people, even if I give you examples, those who believe that people are suffering from mental health, you know, people normally say, oh, your iman is low or you're just struggling, or you know, you just go pray five times salah or something. That's not necessarily the answer. Now, we do understand there may be a spiritual deficiency, and that praying could help, 
but it's not necessarily the answer. And I'm saying this as somebody who's actually studied Islam. I'm not saying this in any way to sound reductive or use to trivialize the faith. Just the way if somebody's, for example, has broken their hand, right? If, if somebody would actually go and get an X-ray and go and if you need to get a cast or surgery, you don't just sit on the masala for like continuously and the bones to fuse themselves. So even though sometimes we have a physical uh, illness, we may go and seek assistance and help. When it comes to the mental illness, we just sometimes are in denial. And I, I think Islam, I think religion in general can help people deal with difficulties. But I can also say, and we may be touching on this later on too, is religion can also impede or infringe or sometimes cause more problems too. Oh, okay. It's because somebody already is suffering from mental health and then they go through different means in, in wrong ways. So like you said, like gene physician and sahar and start accusing people and going all to these weird witch doctors who you end up paying thousands and thousands of pounds and somebody who's already suffering from mental health may be vulnerable and, and these people exploit vulnerable people. So you have to be really, really careful. Again, that, these are just intro points. But within the Quran, so Allah says, وَجَعَلْنَا لَكُمْ فِيهَا مَعَيْشِ In Surah Araf, Allah has created everything on earth for us as a means, right? And as human beings, mm-hmm. we have to adopt those means. We have to use those means. And Allah is the one who's placed those means for us. He's مُسَبِّبُ الْأَسْبَابِ He's the one who's placed all of those means for us. So if somebody needs mental health, you can actually go and ask for help. Now, the Quran and the Hadith, what they talk about is, the same example of, uh, for me, when I was reading the tafsir of this verse, it just totally blew me away. And in fact, inshallah, I'll be write, I'm writing a book on this called Spiritual Intelligence. And the first example I use is this example I'll be explaining is of Surah, in Surah Maryam, of Maryam alayhi salam. So sometimes when people, like I said, when sometimes feel stressed in the normal, what we call the normal functioning of life, and sometimes they can't deal with some of the challenges because it's against their norm against their routine or against or normally not used to what they normally do mm-hmm. and the stresses of life become very difficult take the example of Maryam long story short she goes to bathe to cleanse herself because she was in the temple uh, as she goes then she sees it's the Easter time so we know the story probably too is she sees uh, the angel archangel Jibreel and Jibreel tells her that you're going to give birth to a child and she's surprised no man has touched me Continues, continues, and she's pregnant. And when she's about to give birth, she makes a statement. And this statement I would define as a suicidal statement. When I say suicidal, I'm talking about if somebody comes to the clinic today and uttered the exact same words, they would be like a high-priority patient. That's what the words that the Quran records that she says in the Quran. She's about to give birth. She's in late. In, she's in. She's experiencing the pain, labor pain. Right? There's no epidural. There's no morphine. There's nothing there. Right, and she says, "Lo mitu qabla hada," and the verse finishes up. "Wakuntu nasiyam mansiya." She says, "If only I was dead." Like this is Maryam Ali Salam saying this. Mm-hmm. If only I was dead, and I was forgotten, and no, I ceased to exist, and nobody even knew who I was. Now, in the Maryam Ali Salam in the Quran and Ali Imran, Allah says that she's she's a role model for the whole of humanity. Mm-hmm. The only woman mentioned by name in the Quran, a whole surah dedicated to her, such an illustrious woman, a meritorious, virtuous lady who Allah holds in such high esteem. But because the societal pressure got to her, she found it difficult to cope. And what she was fearing is not just the physical uh, pain of giving birth, but because of societal pressure that when she takes this so-called scandalous child back to her society, people would question her chastity and bring her parents into disrepute. And that's exactly what the Quran then goes up to say. 
But the, I, my point is that even Buddha and Alessandro going through this, and, and the Quran records this. Uh, there's so many examples I can give, and there's so many examples, but if you just look at the life of the Prophet, is when he was asked in Medina, when he was when the message of Allah was somewhat more stable, but still Medina brought his own challenges, but somewhat more stable. The message of Allah was asked, What's the most difficult parts of your life, the most difficult parts in your life that you've experienced? And and he said he, and he coined this term, Amul Huzn. Huzn literally means depression. And when I say depression, I mean in his clinical sense, not in his like, oh I'm depressed. I'm like really depressed. Like in like how the Prophet experienced those years. Mm. And what he refers to is when he was going through the social boycott of the people of Quraysh against societal pressure. And and he 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 was in bereavement, he, he was grieving because his his wife passed away. Whilst he was socially excluded from his society, those who read the seerah will know what I'm referring to. When his wife passed away, he found it so difficult to deal with. And he said, "This I was that was my year of depression, not just a moment, the whole year was depressing. And he referred to the whole year as depressing. So these are interesting points, and it's part of human emotions. Sometimes we're experiencing those highs and those lows and, and, and how we deal with those challenges. This is... Um such an eye-opener and I think very comforting for a lot of those listening right now the fact that the best of creation um, experience this as well so it is normal right um, and if I'm not mistaken you know in Surah Al-Duha Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also reveals uh, words of comfort for the Prophet salam in times of you know hardship so it's not wrong or like haram to feel bad you know you don't walk around with a big happy fake smile on your face all day um it's okay to feel sad but this has been allah subhanahu wa ta'ala of course through uh the beautiful means that we've been given gives us a chance to go back to him and to seek his help and to you know uh find uh treatment in in the best of ways which we're going to get on to soon inshallah so sheikh what then um are the various types of mental uh, issues, I suppose. And also, let's add to that, um, how would somebody identify the signs or signals that they actually have that particular illness? Okay, so, it's, it's again, mental health is such a huge, massive spectrum. The only problem is when it comes to mental health is that we think of the most exaggerated, hyperbolized, worst forms of mental health. So we've probably seen like a horror movie and then we think somebody's schizophrenic. What's that new movie come out? Uh, that dude, man, that crazy guy. And the uh, guy with the split personality is about 23. Split. Yeah, it's yeah, called Split. It's, it's called right? Split, <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> so he has like 23 different personalities and we think, okay, if, okay, I can't be going through mental health because I'm not crazy as that person and we use this kind of term. So it, we think of the most exaggerated, worst forms and I think this creates more of a stigma when it comes to, to mental health. Yeah. But again, that mental health in itself is a huge, massive, massive spectrum. Uh, the most common type, if you're talking about types of mental health, interestingly enough, the most common type of mental health is anxiety. Uh, within the UK, I mean, in, just looking at statistics and facts, is one in four people within the UK itself suffer from mental health. Like one in four people. Wow. Now, people just have a really good ability, ability of just masking and covering it. I don't think so many people even are aware that they're suffering at times. Mm, but that's interesting. some interesting numbers. Yeah, one in four people. So the most common is anxiety. So when people, we call refer to as nervousness or when people sometimes struggle to cope with different situations. And again, anxiety can be talked of, we can speak about different types. But generally, it's it's that part of you that 
doesn't allow you to perform or for you to reach your potential, which just totally controls you. Uh, and, and it's a set pattern of thoughts, which then translates into action that stops you from living or we class as a normal, healthy life. So sometimes you can get very stressed if you have to present at work, which again, everyone's deals with anxiety. I mean, everyone deals with stress and, and feels nervousness, but this is like in every aspect of having panic attacks or when you're driving or when you appropriate meanings to different events in your life that have caused you misery. And those anxiety attacks can then manifest itself into panic attacks. So it's a very common. So anxiety is a huge issue. Uh, another very common issue is depression. Yeah. Right? I'm sure people normally talk about depression and how common it is. I mean, depression is a very, very, very serious issue. Now, I'm not, when I say depression, I'm not just saying, oh, I feel low today or I don't feel like doing anything. I'm talking about frequent patterns in your lifestyle that are affected uh, so, for example, somebody may have a continuously low mood, and this low mood can last for days. Right? Uh, somebody feeling hopeless and helpless, not in a given situation, but continuously. Uh, people who suffer from low self-esteem, again, not just necessarily that you have low confidence, it's just you're continuously questioning and second-guessing yourself continuously for prolonged periods of time. Mm. Somebody who feels emotionally unstable, somebody who's continuously guilt-ridden, who just questioning, like, you know, it's my fault, it's my fault, it's my fault, I've done all of this. You know, like self-loathing, kind of negative, real bad portrayal of oneself. Feeling some people feel really irritable and and intolerant of others. Like you're always on the knife edge, right? <laughs> you meet some of those people who, at the moment you say something, they just gotta like explode on you. So you have to be careful. <laughs> right? That, that's for me. When I'm reading, when I'm like I'm a school teacher, so when I see this stuff, I mean I can read it miles away. I can read it in adults, right? And so when you 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 can see this, sometimes find people finding it difficult. Sometimes people suffering from depression also become very, 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 very indecisive. They make it so difficult. As human beings, we're difficult to make choices in general. But you, this is part of who you are, and it's becoming quite common. Uh, some people who may be more anxious and worried. And, and finally, when it becomes more serious, uh, and I'm saying at this point, you have to have some form of intervention, is when people are having suicidal thoughts and people begin to self-harm. So, I mean, this all leads from depression and one mental health illness can lead to another or that particular health, mental health can manifest itself in different ways. Uh, People can then physically harm themselves or socially, sometimes people can bring harm to other people. So these are just some examples. There's so much to discuss, honestly. These are the psychological symptoms. We can talk about the physical symptoms, the social symptoms and the severity of all of these symptoms. But we're just giving a brief. Yeah, yeah, guys, this is a very brief uh, episode. Unfortunately, we can't dive into a lot of the deeper stuff or cover every type of mental illness. There are, of course, many resources out there to help. And of course, Sheikh himself is writing a book as well. Um, And I'm sure that he will also provide us with some resources that you can check in the show notes uh, to do further research. But um, Sheikh, you also talked about something which is called, I believe, the biopsychosocial model. Did I pronounce that correctly? Yeah, that's absolutely correct. So it's interesting to understand how and why people suffer from mental health. There's ongoing studies to suggest and explain the different varying reasons. So this biopsychosocial model just basically is talking about how there can be a whole host of factors that contribute towards how a person may be suffering or feeling or, or or experiencing a particular mental health. So, for example, sometimes mental health can be biological. So it can be actually ge- genetics. So, for example, if uh, if you have a parent who may suffer from bipolar, 
uh, who suffer from depression or schizophrenia, there's more of a chance of those genes being passed, possibly being passed on uh, as a recessive gene or something that is actually active within the offspring. Mm. Or sometimes, so that's from a biological perspective. Then you have the psychological perspective. So like we discussed, some of the psychological perspective is sometimes people actually mentally break down because they're dealing with so many difficulties so in their in, in, in their personal life so the train or the pattern of thoughts that they may be experiencing some people hear voices in their head uh, some people may find it difficult to stabilize their mood so that's more from the psycho perspective psycho meaning psychological perspective and then the social perspective plays a huge part too where sometimes you find yourself in a particular situation where you find it difficult to cope so for example you just been fired from your job or you just ended your relationship of 20 years in a divorce or you're, you've lost a child or you've lost a beloved one, right? And this social social pressure becomes very difficult for somebody to deal with. Now, understanding the three different strands, so from the biological perspective, from the psycho perspective, psychological perspective and the social perspective, now all of these three and many more other factors play with one another they have like permeable boundaries they, they're interchangeable they all three affect a person at the same time so like for example i dealt with somebody recently who was about 26 uh who just recently got married and then spoke, marriage kind of broke down and been married for a very short time and he's like man i've never felt depressed in my life before even i've been just diagnosed with depression and, and what happens is that you may have a genetic bias towards depression but that genetic bias has never been able to surface is because you haven't been exposed to a challenging situation socially. But the mm. moment you are through, for example, marriage and you can't cope, that genetic bias can sometimes then manifest itself. Right. Now, how can you tell genetically if people are biased or not, or people suffer? Again, lots, a lot of neuro, neurological science, uh, neurological kind of studies have been done to understand how the brain kind of works and how it functions. But my point is that humans are very complicated beings. Uh, we have to deal with a whole bunch of stuff at all times. So if somebody is suffering or dealing with issues, it's absolutely normal. We all suffer from issues. Some of us, my, my, my thing is that some of us probably just have a better way of uh, masking our problems than others. But it doesn't mean you're dealing with a problem. Like if somebody has a broken hand, you can put 10 plasters on your hand. But if, if you're not fixing the broken bone, then that bone will begin to heal wrong and it will mm. hurt you every time you move. Mm. so mental health issues are more deeper and they can't be just discussed or not discussed but only dealt with superficially but have to be spent a fair amount of time on these issues so i mean i guess the moral of and the kind of main lesson from today's episode is look if you feel that you have something wrong you know go and go and speak to someone and I'm going to be asking you some questions from our listeners in a few moments time that actually describe what they went through and what they did as well and kind of are in a bit of a situation but you're so right that you know we try to mask it off but it only makes it worse and then when we least expect it it just it just comes out now Sheikh let's say obviously we can't cover every example and every type of illness but let's say perhaps the most popular one that you've had to deal with, how would you advise someone to actually go about um, getting help? Well, let's, let's bring it back. Actually recognizing what's wrong, you know, accepting it and then getting help. I think this takes a lot of introspection and a lot of being in touch with who you are as a human being. 
And when people talk about mental health, they say, okay, you know, women are more in touch with emotions than guys are, which is not true. Guys are really aware of it, but it's just like a manly thing not to sometimes talk about it. So I would say is try to be in touch with yourself, with your man or woman as much as possible. Like understand how you're feeling, understand why you're feeling what you're feeling, if you can try to make sense out of it. Right? What is it in life? I mean, if you're talking about why people feel down at times, there's so much discussion behind this. Uh, when the Greeks have talked about eudaimonia, Aristotle and Socrates and Plato and these people, but when you don't have, you, sometimes people feel depressed because they don't feel that they've achieved much in life or they're behind their milestone that they expect to be at. And how, what would you do is talk to somebody about it, right? Maybe if you're in a partnership, part of marriage is to find a good spouse where you can actually talk and express yourself. Mm. And you're talking about how you're feeling. You may have parents, you may have a friend, somebody who's, who you genuinely trust. And say, you know, I don't feel normal. I don't, I don't know why I'm feeling so low all the time. And have a support network around you. I would also see, I would really encourage you guys to also see your GP, right? And now before you, somebody's given antidepressants and all of this stuff. If you need medication, absolutely fine. There's nothing wrong in that. But just be aware of what you're being prescribed and research. You, know, you can have internet research, man. You can research all of this stuff. You can read books. You can go on the NHS website to learn about what the different uh, types and definitions of different forms of mental illness and, and see how you can cope with it. Uh, and then if you do need medication, that's absolutely fine. Uh, but more detailed explanation of how I personally would sometimes deal with somebody, depending on their mental health is, I would say is from a three kind of prong attack, dealing with it is, is being careful of what you, your, your diet and your physical activities, right? When somebody, so like the neuroscience behind all of this is, People's serotonin and dopamine levels, so serotonin is like a neurotransmitter in, in your brain, what we refer to as the happy hormones. These are normally low in people who are suffering from depression. Mm. So the idea here is that different types of medications help release these particular neurotransmitters. You can actually do them yourself. So you can actually release these neurotransmitters by yourself by, for example, engaging in physical activities. Like normally when somebody's depressed, you'd actually say, you know what, do you exert any effort, like any force in anything? Like do you play sports or do you, do you go to the gym or anything? I would really encourage people is at least you should be working out three times a week, minimum 20 minutes to half an hour. This actually releases neurotransmitters. There's, there's positive neurotransmitters in your brain, dopamine levels that help you increase your mood. You'll see when you're feeling low, the moment you go do something, you, you, you'll feel different. That can be badminton, tennis, gym, weights, swimming, walking, anything that you enjoy. But it has to be part of your schedule. And again, this is also discussed from the Sunnah of the Prophet. Also being careful of what you eat, right? Uh, physiologically, I mean, a lot of the food that we eat has been packed with sugar. Four grams of sugar equates to one teaspoon, right? So sometimes when you just drink Coke, you've just consumed and ingested about eight, nine teaspoons of sugar. I mean, wow. physiologically, that's going to affect the way your brain and your body begins to function. You need to make sure that you're eating healthy, or you're eating food that is wholesome, right types of vitamins and minerals that you need from your vegetables and, and the protein. Right? So being careful of what you're eating, when you're eating. Also, so that's from a physical sense. I would also see is that mentally what is actually causing the stress. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's a job. Maybe it's, you have to look into and zoom into what it is. And finally, finally, I would say is what we call your spiritual intelligence, where you're able to use your faith in your religion and, and really trying to understand why you do what you do in your faith, like and in and, and your salah, like understanding the words that you recite in your salah, understanding the Quran that you're reciting, doing the dhikr, which helps you contemplate and ruminate and meditate over the names of God, and you understand those meanings of those, the names of God that you're using. So that's physical, the mental, and the spiritual 
approach helps deal. Now, these issues, can I say, have no necessarily cure. So a lot of mental health issues can only help you manage the situation, mm. right? So you have to also take that into consideration. People think, you know, if I've got a flu or cold, I'm just going to pop a pill and I'll be fine. But mental health is not as straight, simple and straightforward. A lot of issues you have to learn to cope. So you have to make a lot of lifestyle changes. You have to be careful of the people that you're around socially. You have to be careful of the triggers that are around you, which sometimes sets people off. People off, I mean, OCD is something which is a very common issue too. No, very, very insightful. And Zakalakhir for your tips and advice there. You know, I, I love the idea of... Not just because I love to go to the gym, but um, I was speaking to a sister called Sahar Sheikh on an episode uh, episode sorry called uh, procrastination and how it's linked to fear, and a part of it, you know, was to actually um, one of the solutions here as well was to actually change your 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 state physiologically, actually get up and move and do something, um, you know, and that way you're you're kind of springing into action. And I suppose it does something in your brain with these neurotransmitters and you said it pumps these chemicals that, you know, uh, happy hormones that actually make you feel a lot better. And again, if people aren't used to this, um, there's not much of a choice but to actually try. You know, if you're at home, lazy, if you're always engaging in activities that are going to set off those trigger points, um, then that's not a good idea. So a lot of the effort is on us and not necessarily on just relying on a pill or, or somebody else, right? Um, so before we get on to the questions from our listeners, Sheikh, I want to ask you, I want to ask you this, and not in a kind of controversial way or to put anyone down, but because it is quite common, especially among various cultures. I'll split the question into two, right? So number one, generic question would be are there any uh, du'as that we can recite from the Quran and Sunnah that help us cope or manage our stress, depression, anxiety etc and number two for those who do prescribe certain du'as or perhaps even you know request money to recite things for you or perhaps create ambulance or amulets or darweeth, for example, and ask you to wear things. Are these a useful approach or, uh, you know, something that we should seek? Or is, you know, raising our hands to Allah, keeping us Allah on time, etc., a better option? Good questions. Again, I don't want to be, in a sense, controversial because I appreciate people have different forms of faith that they wish to practice. But I will yeah. give you my personal viewpoints. Again, people disagree with them. Is first of all, so any of the adiyah, the du'as that have been prescribed. My personal viewpoint is when you set a du'a, the du'a in itself is not the cure. The realization and the actualization of what you recite is what the purpose of the du'a is. Mm-hmm. So when you actually saying something, is actually a reflection of what you're saying, which helps you deal with the situation. So you can, like, if somebody can give you a du'a to pray, and you can pray ten million times and still feel the same. Is because you need to figure out what that means. So the du'a that the Prophet would make is, Allahumma inni a'udhu bika min al-huzni. This is a long du'a, but just one part of the du'a. But the Prophet would actually ask, Allah, Allah, seek protection in you from depression. Mm. Like, I, I seek protection in you, Allah, that I don't feel depressed. And, and then the Messenger of Allah lived such an active lifestyle that every aspect of his life, I mean, the Prophet left, lived a very stressful life, to say the least. And I'm saying stresses. I do a whole zero class where we discuss I mean, any human being dealing with those situations would normally have a breakdown. 
right? You're talking about a person who was born with his father's passed away, mm. right? You're talking about him experiencing his mother passing with the age of six. He's moved on to the custody of his grandfather at the age, and his grandfather passed with the age of eight, then to the custody of his, his uncle, Abu Talib. So by the age of just under 10, he's lost like three primary caregivers in his life, mm. right? And that would affect anybody psychologically. Even later on in life, the challenges he's dealing with. So problems are a sign of life. How you deal with those problems reflects the quality of your life, right? How you deal with those challenges reflects the quality of your life. Mm. So at this stage here, I would make these du'as, making, I would say generally recite as much as Quran as you can uh, and, and understand as much as you can. I wouldn't say recite so much and not understand anything. I would say calm down the reciting so much and focus more on the understanding part of it. So maybe like, you know, if you're spending an hour of reciting, I would say, okay, spend about 20 minutes reciting, half an hour reciting. Spend the other half studying tafsir of the verses that you recited and understand. Mm-hmm. And I genuinely feel that a, a true understanding of the scripture talks about it will help you deal with a lot of these challenges. Uh, in terms of people exploiting people, again, I would be careful I've really, I mean, just in in Birmingham, in in in, in, uh, in the West Midlands, in the UK and England, we had people just in the last six months where a guy sexually abused of uh, a woman who was split from her husband, and he charged her eleven thousand uh, pounds, and he actually sexually abused her twice, uh, and she, he said, "I have some kind of special cure, that a potion that will help you kind of reconcile with your husband." And, and I, I know first we think, okay, that's just so stupid. Why would a woman do that? But when somebody is vulnerable, it's crazy the kind of stuff that we will end up doing when you are vulnerable. So there are a lot of people who can exploit you. If anybody charges you, uh, my normal rule is if somebody is charging you for anything, I would just tell them to go do one, literally. Like, you know, uh, I think it's just a money-making ploy. Uh, you have to be mindful and careful. Uh, if sometimes I wouldn't pay anybody anything, honestly. In regards to Tawis, again, if people want to, it's your choice. Me, personally, I would stay away from that too. I think instead of just, I think if somebody wears an amulet and thinks this is some kind of magic amulet which is protecting you, well, it's not that protecting you. It's Allah who's protecting you. And you make dua directly to Allah. One of the beauties yeah. of our faith is that there's no intermediary. There's no somebody who's in the medium who, who helps us. Uh, it's just our direct access to God. So me, personally, I would kind of desist and stay away from that kind of stuff. If those people who choose to, then it's up to you. But be very, 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 very careful. As I've studied in the traditional Darulun for six years, we are not taught to deal with, we are not taught psychology as a subject. We are taught theology. I studied psychology from a bachelor's and a master's. It was a total separate field. A lot of these imams are not qualified to deal with psychological issues. And writing something on a paper is not going to help you, my personal viewpoint. So I would sometimes be very skeptical of these kind of issues and just be on your guard. So if you if you do feel a bit skeptical about your perhaps um, local teachers or imams and they just kind of prescribe something that you've already tried and or they say to you, you know, fear Allah, you know, just increase in your uh, salah, etc., increase in your dua and just shake it off, then the next best person you recommended before was GP or a professional. Yeah, man, I would someone. say before going to Imam, go to your GP, man. Seriously, honestly, I would say that. Uh, cool. Go like, like I said, the three prong attack is making sure that you physically and then you're so you, and mentally and spiritually. So obviously, the spiritual dimension is there. So for the spiritual dimension, you can go to your Imam, and that's absolutely fine. And you can maybe do some talking therapy, and it can help you deal with some situations. Maybe the Imam can offer you some assistance. We have a lot of younger 
kind of imams who now can understand the social norms and customs of our society, mm. so they won't be as judgmental and and, and stuff. Uh, but I'll be very mindful, but I would still go to a GP and try to get a diagnosis. And the thing is, the problem in the UK is that mental health in the UK is pretty poor, generally. Uh, for bipolar, it can take up to six years from symptoms to diagnosis. Wow. Just for bipolar, which is insane, right? It's difficult. So it can be very difficult. I personally have been touring. I've had a mental health conference in the UK, in Birmingham. I had one in Ireland. And I'm still trying to do more to try to raise awareness. Inshallah, hopefully we'll be going on Islam channel to kind of raise awareness for mental health also. But Inshallah. it's important. It's a commu- it's an issue in our community that we really need to bring to the forefront and help people who are suffering and experiencing these issues. True that, true that. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless the efforts. It really is something which is fantastic and very impressive that actually people are out there like yourself trying to deal with this issue, which I think is just phenomenal, mashallah. All right, now to kind of end off um, this this might get a little bit uh, deep because we have a few questions uh, some of them might already have been answered but I'm going to read them out as if they're being asked to you because they were written for you to answer so the first question uh, Lena asks now we've already touched on this but perhaps you can uh, give advice that she says what if what should someone try to do if they have those suicidal thoughts, just want to give up. Um, perhaps they are actually harming themselves. Perhaps their parents don't know, maybe even don't even care, shake it off. And you know what? I want to add to this question too because, subhanAllah, one of my best friends in high school actually committed suicide. Um, and it was such a shock to all of us and our close circle of friends. Um, you know, such a bright guy the kind of guy that you would get jealous of because he would play xbox while you were studying and he would Mm -hmm. still get better grades than you um he was that intelligent you know i believe he went to do medicine at university a great university here but a couple years in it's just we heard he went missing and this guy lives around the corner from me so I, I went to his house, spoke to his parents, and they had no idea. His his best friends had no idea. I believe he even left his phone behind. And then a few weeks later, we heard the news, and it was, you know, terrifying and traumatic. But if somebody is feeling that way, and perhaps they feel like there's nothing left to hope for, what would you advise them? I would say if somebody's feeling like that, I would say, you know what? Whatever's making you feel down, who gives a crap about it? Honestly, like whatever's making you feel bad, maybe you're not getting the grades that you want. Maybe you lost a job. Maybe you messed up on a relationship. Just put everything aside. You know, just learn to appreciate yourself and love yourself. Learn to bring value to who you are. Right? There's so much life that you have to live to make a difference to yourself and to experience. And and I've met with people who said the only thing that stopped me from suicide is the Islam is because we know in our tradition is suicide is suicide is something which is forbidden and something which is mentioned in the Quran the hadith talks about somebody commits suicide and they'll kill themselves in that way continuously to the day of judgment that should be a huge deterrent to stop people but I know this is just theology but I would say is that generally just you know if you failed at something or whatever it may be just forget about it and when it comes to self-harm I know it's difficult people will find some kind of relief when it comes to actually harming themselves is because sometimes as human beings we feel rejected or we're trying to seek 
particular people's attention or we feel so frustrated and annoyed uh, ourselves because we have contributed to our own downfall, then learn to forgive yourself, right? Learn to just like, and I don't think so enough people, you know, we, live in a, we live in a society where we are continuously pressured to achieve. Mm. And sometimes we, we can't all hit those kind of targets that we set ourselves. So, I mean, just, you know, just kick back. Take a year out if you have to be. Take a sabbatical if you're at work. Right? Go and travel. Honestly, go travel. I've, I've, me personally, I've been working for the last six, seven years. And, and I've reached a stage where you know, I, was, I was struggling with, with uh, sleeplessness. Like, you know, when people suffer from like, insomnia and stuff, you can't yeah, sleep. Yeah. I was like, man, you know, I've studied. I've, I've done so much. I just want to chill out. I told my place, you know, I'm going to go travel. I love traveling. And I'm taking from July, I'm taking I'm taking a whole year to myself where my plan is to go to Thailand, do some kickboxing there, go yeah. travel, go see Africa, go see all of these places. But you, we need that as human beings. We need that time of refreshment, that time of just resetting your biological clock. Mm. And you can normal. invite me, by the way, if you want. I think I'll, <laughs> I'm free, inshallah. <laughs> you can come to Thailand with me, dude. We're going in September. Awesome. Do you know, um, I actually have a, a CELTA qualification to teach so I can inshallah go there and teach English So oh, and, and, and you can kick some butt at the same time. <laughs> okay, so the next question is sort of related um, with dealing with depression. So Alexi says that I have suffered from depression for a long time and one of the ways I used to cope with low moods and not having the energy or motivation to get out of bed was masturbating. And getting that natural high, so to speak. Of course, I know this is wrong and always felt guilty about it after. And as such, this has set up a cycle. Hashtag episode 10, send cycle. Go check it out, inshallah, with Sheikh as well. As such, I started to masturbate when feeling like self-harm as well. Seeing as it was something I could do, which isn't visible to people, whereas the scars might be. I was in therapy for this. And that helped a little, but the university could only provide so many sessions to each student and the waiting list for my GP is very long. So I guess my question is, how do you deal with these addictions or dependencies until you can actually get proper help? I mean, masturbation is just a primary example of when people engage in these kind of acts is, again, it's just... Every addiction that we as have we have as human beings is just looking for that neurotransmitter release, that serotonin and dopamine level. Mm. And people are hooked to that feeling as opposed to the action that they're engaging in, whether it's drugs, whether it's alcohol, whether it's going out with different people, whether it's being promiscuous. Uh, but also I would say that people generally who suffer from mental health, for example, bipolar, do have a higher level of promiscuity and uh, sometimes being sexually promiscuous than normal. So that would be an alarming thing to just uh, highlight because from people who may be struggling. But again, it's hard to break this kind of cycle and these kind of patterns. Uh, but I would try to always encourage people to find an alternative, right? That same kind of hit in the feeling that they're achieving or they're receiving or experiencing. That joy is you can find it in other things and places, right? So like I said, maybe finding an alternative whether it's just going out for a walk, whether it's sometimes trying to read a book, finding what, you, creating a hobby, honestly. You don't know how much this lifts your mood. Uh, whether it's just going out. Maybe, maybe people like watching documentaries around them, probably like watching a movie or something just to just distract themselves. Yeah. Right? Just finding more, more positive kind of things uh, in life. But it, these can be very challenging, very, 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 very difficult for, for people to deal with. And I'd also commend 
uh, the, the listener who actually posed this question. And let me tell you, it's a very common question that I also receive. But it's, again, referring back to that Sin Cycle episode that we've done, is being able to break that cyclical chain, uh, not go, uh, continuously doing that. It's because what happens as human beings is once you do that action once or whatever it may be, you create this sense of resistance. And then people have to engage in more uh, more particular actions in order to feel the same sensation and feeling. Mm-hmm. And it, it gets a downward spiral. It leads to depression because people don't want to engage in these actions. And you may enjoy yourself for a short period of time, but over a long time, you feel worse. So I would say that to help people kind of desist from such behaviors, just try to be more aware and cognizant of how they'll feel later on. And a moment of pleasure is not worth jeopardizing a long t- duration where people will feel sad, right? And and sometimes just finding, mm. you know, something I'd really, really encourage people who may be experiencing some of the stuff and maybe the other the questions will be asking too is, is a branch of psychology called developmental psychology, right? Read books on this, right? There's a really good book I would really encourage you guys to read. One of the best books I've read, it's called Mindset. Mindset by Carol Dweck. She's a professor from Stanford University. Carol Dweck, you can get this book. It's called Mindset. It's about, I think, six, seven pounds on Amazon. Uh, there's another book I'd encourage you guys to read. It's called Start With Why by Simon Sinek. People like this to Les Brown or Tony Robbins or anyone. Listen and read some of this stuff on positive psychology and understand how your human brain functions. There's nothing that can I feel can alter human behavior other than educating and learning about yourself. Mm-hmm. And that will help you. Thank you for your answer, Sheikh. And last uh, second last question actually uh, Tahmina asks I'm a 19 year old Muslim girl and I'm a full time student of mass communication she actually has two questions for you number one there are days when I feel good about myself I behave um, I have good manners with everyone but then there are times when I become some sort of evil person my depression leads me to behave inappropriately with parents siblings and friends what should I do? I guess this has already been answered with regards to perhaps the hobbies, but we get on to it in a second. And number two, that there's a war going on in my mind all the time. It feels like there's just no hedaya at all. Yeah, it's hard to kind of deal with these kind of problems. Again, they can't diagnose people just based on these kind of questions, but mm. I think those show very early symptoms of somebody suffering from bipolar. Uh, because sometimes when so depression just feeling low mood all the time, but bipolar is when somebody who's feeling high and then feeling low and then feeling high, and this fluctuation of mood and instability can cause a lot of irregularities and irrational kind of behavior where you sometimes are just uh, just like snapping at people and and acting in a way that you, you yourself know that you shouldn't be acting in that particular way. I would say is really try go seeing a GP. Uh, it's not just a knowledge of hidayah or nothing. It's just people maybe struggling and suffering. Uh, go see a GP, maybe early signs of bipolar, read what bipolar is, there's bipolar type 1 and type 2, uh, manic and depressive, you can read about in more detail. Uh, in regards to uh, coping, I would say is, when you are feeling a bit low, uh, just if you feel that you're going to be snappy around people in social surroundings, then just do your own thing, right? Just do like jam and do your own thing. Like If you rather be alone than cause, causing other people harm, so mm-hmm. maybe you just want to go and go for a walk or just cool down or, I don't know, maybe write. People have different ways. Maybe just, I don't know, watch something on YouTube if you have to to keep yourself entertained or you know, maybe press Quran if you have to, any, anything that you want. But if you know that you are all feeling like that and you want to socially exclude yourself, 
you may do so. Uh, you may want to talk to somebody, right? To your brother, to your sister. I would say is that if your parents know that you act like this, I'd really encourage you to maybe speak to your parents and ask them that you don't know why you're feeling like this. So at least they can kind of appreciate and understand that you are struggling. I think for a young girl, uh, if you don't deal with some of these issues in the next few years, when you do get married, a lot of these issues will then manifest itself at the time of marriage. And you'll find mm-hmm. it very difficult to forge a positive relationship with your future husband dealing with these kind of situations. And I'm not saying this in a negative way. I'm just saying trying to kind of heads up that if you can't help coping with it now, it can just become worse over time. But I would really encourage you to go see a GP, inshallah. Barakallahu feekum. Okay, last question. Not sure if it's related, but, you know, Khairiwa asked the question. Um, Husna asks, and I guess this is related to the idea of going out there and doing something, a hobby. Husna likes yoga, right? So she said, is it permissible in Islam? It makes me fit and strong. It has nothing to do with peace. It's just a form of exercise. I've been searching for this for so long, but couldn't find any answer. Sheikh, make her happy, man. Yoga is absolutely fine. I mean, I would encourage you to do it. As long as, obviously, a lot of people associate yoga to Hinduism and Buddhism. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also this aspect of what's called transcendental meditation, where people sometimes use the name of their gods, like Om and all of these kind of words, to meditate. But obviously, when you go to normal yoga class, they don't encourage religion. It's, it's, it's seen like it's a, a separate exercise. And if something which rocks your boat, then go for it. Enjoy it. Nothing wrong. Cool. Uh, Sheikh, it's been a pleasure once again and my mind and you know is a lot more open with regards to this issue of mental health. Um, now, if people want to ask you more questions about this, seek more help perhaps privately as well, what's the best way for them to contact you, inshallah? Uh, the best way, again, I haven't been as active as I should be on social media, but I am recently. So best way to catch me is on Facebook. Uh, my name is Sheikh Abdul Hamid. You can private message me or comment on this thread or best thing is just private message me if you want to ask any more further questions that you may have. Uh, and inshallah, I'll be releasing more YouTube videos in regards to this topic. But you can hit me up on Facebook, inshallah. Awesome. I'm also touring the UK quite often. So if you do watch me on Facebook, I may be in your area, inshallah. Awesome, awesome. Sheikh, man, it's been so great to have you on for a third time. I can definitely see you back on in the future with some more hot topics for the listeners. Uh, but what to do now is go and rest your foot um, and enjoy your, uh, I believe you're going to talk tomorrow as well in a few more talks around the UK. May yeah. Allah bless you and continue uh, giving you tawfiq to speak on these different topics and and issues in the Muslim community and in general. And I hope to catch you next time. Until then, I'll say Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullah. Wow, alhamdulillah. Excellent episode today from Sheikh Abdul Hamid. I hope you guys can agree. And I hope that by the end of that, you have now some more clarity on the topic of mental health. And if you were looking for some answers, I hope that you found them. Inshallah. May Allah truly bless you for being here guys to listen to the show and bless Sheikh Abdul Hamid and everyone out there who is going through something. Don't forget that there is help out there if you look in the right places and place your trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala of course but also seek professional help. And just to remind you of the charity who sponsored today's show which was Inspirited Minds who you can visit at inspiritedminds.org.uk Now as I mentioned at the beginning of the show I do want to read uh, some words that have been sent in by a listener of the show. So Lena writes, first 
I just want to say Jazakallah for always creating such useful and informative content. May Allah reward you and your team. Well, Jazakallah khair, Lina, and may Allah reward you too. I say all of this to encourage you to please tell people to talk to someone, a doctor, a family member or friend, if things get too hard. It might just be everyday life stress, but it could also be more serious and require treatment. Alhamdulillah, I have a very supportive family and amazing friends that still see me as me. But for those that don't, we all need to do our part to be a bit kinder to each other and to ourselves. So if you could please use even a minute in your podcast to advise people to speak out, it could prevent months or years in my case of needless suffering. Secondly, I am so happy that you are talking about this topic. After years of ignoring my own issues, all my struggles came to a head last year when a family member got sick. Before my own diagnosis, I always thought that mental illness was because of a personal weakness and that if people prayed hard enough, it would go away. But let me be the first to say that I was completely wrong. I am able to be the same person I always was, do the same things and enjoy life because I got the help I needed. My mental illness is still something I'm grappling to come to terms with, but it is still a part of me. And to deny it would be to deny the way Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created me. Lots of things in my past make a lot more sense now that I have an explanation, so getting diagnosed also helped me better understand myself. To the sister, I want to say, Barakallah fikum, may Allah bless you for sending in such wise words and to share your own personal story. And guys, that's a first-hand account of somebody who didn't know what to do but got help. And when they got help, they realised just how important it was to finally understand what was going on in their life and how to interpret it. And sister, I pray that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes things even more clear for you and grants you the ultimate uh, peace and sukun uh, with yourself and in your mind and in your life and with your family and friends and all those as well who are going through something similar. Somebody else on Facebook said, I saw the post on Facebook referring to our announcement about Mental Health Podcast and wanted to share how I personally feel about mental illness. I have a large family and the majority of my sisters have had to deal with depression. My elder sister has suffered from depression since she was 16 years old and she is now 36. I have witnessed awful lows and utter sadness. Sadly, I suffered from postnatal depression and what was meant to be the happiest time in my life turned out to be scary, a sense of loss and confusion and just simply tear after tear. I used to dread my husband leaving for work and would sometimes beg him to stay with me. There was me thinking depression wouldn't get me and I would be able to embrace motherhood with open arms. It didn't help me that my in-laws would remind me that daughter-in-laws make cups of tea and daughter-in-laws do this, that and the other. I had a difficult start to my marriage and I had none of my family here with me, which was hard. I couldn't talk about it. I thought it wasn't allowed because as Muslims we find the answers in the Quran and so on, but I couldn't find any answers. Long story short, Alhamdulillah, I have found my feet and I take each day as it comes. Truthfully, 
This wasn't because I engrossed myself in prayer, etc. It was partly because I went to see a doctor. I feel like this needs to be addressed because I know a lot of women especially feel like they shouldn't go further than prayer or seeking guidance to an imam, etc. because then it somehow feels wrong. There needs to be a balance. A balance of religion and a balance of professionals who can also help. Even to this day, I cannot talk about it to my in-laws or to my own family as much as I'd like to. It's not taken seriously enough, but then that is probably because people don't understand it. I mean, it's a case of, what's wrong with you? Snap out of it. Mental illness is a horrible thing to experience, and it leaves you feeling so, so lost and so sad. I ask you to please raise the face and profile of mental illness because there are people out there who are suffering badly and won't be as lucky as myself. Wow, subhanAllah, a deeply personal account there again from this person who shared their story with us on Facebook and again, I want to reiterate, as Sheikh also did in the episode that look, prayer and dua are not to be bypassed, okay? The Quran is not to be bypassed. What these people are saying is that they've tried to pray, they've tried these things, but sometimes they just can't find the answers immediately. And what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also wants us to do is to seek professional help, right? To have someone there who's qualified to tell us what to do, what's wrong and how to go about healing. We use prayer and dua and we ask Allah for guidance throughout the entire process because of course, without doubt, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one who has tested us with such things and only he is the one who can cure us but we have to find that perfect balance of trusting Allah, keeping our du'as up and our prayers up, but also importantly going out to seek help from those who really can help us. I want to remind everyone before I end the episode that all of the links and a summary of today's show can be found at deanspiration.com forward slash episode 17. you also find the website link for the Inspirited Minds charity. I want to thank them again for sponsoring this show. In the next episode, we actually have a personal account from a sister who also will be talking about why the Muslim community has turned real emotions like sadness and anxiety into such a taboo thing. If you found this episode beneficial or if you know anybody, friend, family member who you think can really take benefit, then please do go ahead and share this episode. That's all from me today guys. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless you. Until next time, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.